continuing in our reflections on the mysteries of the rosary, these luminous mysteries, we come today to the second mystery, which is the wedding feast at Cana. When we went to Cana, we got on our bus and uh, took, uh, took our little trek, and we rode through the town and, and arrived, and they said, all right, we're getting here, and, you know, go up that, go up that alleyway. I said, okay, so off we went, and we arrived, uh, you know, further up the alleyway, we arrived at the church. There's a church built on top of the place where the miracle took place, again, because uh, as Catholics, anytime you find a holy site, you just put a church on top of it, and that's what we do. It's kind of our trademark, right? Um, and so, there's a church on top of the place where this miracle uh, has taken place in, in Cana. And so we went there, but we weren't able to go into the church. They were having mass, and there was a group, a group in there. And so uh, the best that I could do was kind of get on my tiptoes and look through, the, look through the windows to see and get a little glimpse of the inside of the church. It looked a rather nice place. But we were able to go on uh, to do a couple of things while we were there in Cana, one of which being a, a little tour of the, of the area below the church. And so uh, below, below there would have been the, the storage room, the, the area where the wine would have been presumably for the feast itself. And so uh, we went down into the basement area to this room where, where the wine would have been, where the miracle would have taken place. And uh, there in the middle of the room was a, a, large, a large stone, it was probably several hundred pounds, and it was kind of dug out in the middle, it was a, a bowl of sorts. And, you know, there's a little sign next to it that says, this is one of the jars that our Lord used to, to you know, to perform the miracle. And our tour guide came in and said, hogwash. <laughs> and he says, he says, look at that thing. That's a huge rock. No one can carry that. That's not a jar. That's a rock with a hole in the middle of it. And he's like, that doesn't fit the archaeology. It doesn't fit this, that, and the other thing. He's kind of um, just kind of naysaying the whole thing. And and he was like, but it, he was like, even if that's not the jar, this is for sure the place. I was like, good, excellent. We can agree on that, right? So we agree that indeed this is the place. And so uh, our group, we, we prayed our decade of the rosary and gave thanks to God for the miracle that happened there, the first miracle of our Lord and his ministry. And then uh, ascending, ascending the steps once more, we went around the corner. There's a, a little chapel uh, built next to the church, and we went to the chapel, and we had you know, a dozen or so married couples that were part of our pilgrimage group. And we went and, and offered a little, a little reflection, reflection there on the mystery itself. And then the, the couples, we celebrated the renewal of their marriage vows, which was a, a beautiful little time for them, and, and you know, a, a renewal of, of, of their, own, their own faith, their own married life, and renewing and uh, reviving the graces of their holy vocation. And then we went and kind of wrapped up our tour of, of the church area itself where the miracle took place. And then the, directly, across the, directly across the alley from the, where the church is, there was a little store, and we said, well, they have wine. And if you're in Cana, you have to have wine, right? It's, it's obligatory. I mean, and so we went in and we, we got a bottle of wine, parenthetically. It was the worst wine we had the entire trip. There were, there were five of us uh, in our little group that tried to finish it, and we couldn't even get halfway through the bottle. It was just nasty. Uh, it was basically drinking vinegar, which no one wants to do. And so... Uh, all that is simply to say that, similar to my experience at the Jordan, my experience of Cana was less than enjoyable, right? Uh, it was a bit of a bitter experience, uh, physically speaking, truly even. But this reality that, that you know, the, the married couple certainly, you know, experienced, you know, a, a great joy and a great grace in that place. But, you know, for myself, it was kind of 
It was just another spot along the way, and it was beautiful to reflect upon the Lord working His first miracle there, but, but there was no, like, deep insight, there was no deep spiritual experience for me in that place, and we walked back down the alley and got back on the bus, and off we went to the next spot. And it was the fact that there was no insight for me that I think is part of the insight the Lord wanted to show me is this reality that whenever the, mir- the miracle took place there in Cana, the vast majority of the people had no idea it even happened. They were totally unaware of it. That's what St. John tells us in his gospel. St. John recounting the event, he says that, beginning the story, he says, Our Lady was there, Mary was there, and also Jesus and his disciples, right? So Mary clearly has a place of prominence in this, and then it's also, Jesus is part of the also group. That's not usually the case. Usually Jesus is there and also some others. But this time, Mary is there and also Jesus, right? And so it's, it's kind of the, he's, the, he's obviously not, uh, you know, as, as notable a character uh, on the for- forefront of things. But also it seems that by the use of that language, that, that it seems like Mary may have some kind of role in this. She may have some, some prominence in this particular occasion. We don't know all the details of it, but, but you know, that, that Mary is specifically mentioned there is an important thing for us. But then, in the course of the meal, in the course of this, of this multi-day festivities, Our Lady realizes one particular thing. They have no wine. She tells her son this. And Jesus, in, in response, he, he looks, and, and then there's different translations of the Bible vary of, of how the Lord responds, but essentially he says, woman, how is it, how is this concern of yours affect me? How is this, what am I to do with this? What do you want me to do? My time has not yet come. I haven't begun yet. And she simply looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you, which in the terms of a mother towards her son says, son, you're supposed to do something, and now everybody's looking at you. That's what moms do sometimes, right? She compels him towards action. She compels him to do something. And of course, the servants are there looking at at our blessed Lord, presuming that, that he's going to do something because she said he would. She said he was going to do something. Do whatever he tells you. And they're likely expecting him to say, okay, here's a nice fat wallet of, of gold coins that we have. You know, maybe go here, go do this, go do this, go buy some here, buy some there, this kind of thing. But he doesn't do that. He simply says, fill the jars, fill the jars of water, six of them, 20 to 30 gallons apiece, 120 to 180 gallons of wine there. So they fill it up. And as it's filled up, he says, take it out and bring it to the head waiter. And the head waiter, the man who's in charge of this, the, the man who's the, who's, the, who's the head of the show, he's the one in charge of all the food, all the drink. He's the one to make sure that, that everything goes well. The head waiter tastes it and immediately turns to the bridegroom and says, you've broken the rule. This is a better wine. You saved the best wine to last. The head waiter doesn't even know what's happened. The head waiter, by his response that the bridegroom had saved the best wine for last, implies the fact that he didn't realize they were even running low himself. The only people who knew that the miracle had taken place were the Lord, Our Lady, the disciples of Christ, and the servants who had taken the water and filled the jars and taken it back. Everyone else, it seems, is oblivious. They're just going about enjoying the evening, enjoying the meal, enjoying the time where where the wine continues to gladden their hearts, as the Scriptures tell us. And the first of the miracles has taken place, and a miracle in in abundance. It's not just a few bottles of wine. It's not just a couple of carafes that the Lord filled up to get them by. 
He poured up gallons and gallons and gallons of wine and the best wine. And the people were simply going about as if nothing ordinary, nothing extraordinary had happened. It was just another ordinary celebration. And likely some of them would have remarked to one another whenever they got home, isn't it strange that they saved the better wine to the end? They don't normally do that. It was really good, wasn't it? And much more would have been said. It's because this is how Our Lady works very often. You know, whenever we go to our Blessed Mother, whenever we turn to Our Lady, sometimes we turn with a particular intention. We turn to her when we, we offer our rosary, we offer a novena, we offer the memorare, our, our emergency, emergency novena of the memorares, or these various other devotional prayers. And we turn to Our Lady and we're asking for specific things, and when they happen, we know it, and we are aware of it. We give thanks to God for it. We, we honor our Blessed Mother in gratitude for prayers answered. These are good and holy things for us. But in that sense, we are, we are like the, the few who at Cana knew what had happened about this miracle. The few who knew that, that Our Lady had said, something needs to be done here, and she hastened the action that it did be done. So many times we turn to Our Lady and we know that things are happening. But I would suggest that far more often, Our Lady is in the background of our lives, quietly watching us from our heavens, right there at the right, right hand of God, looking down to us, her children, recognizing our needs. And we are totally unaware of it, just like the bride and groom at their wedding feast, having no clue that the wedding, that the wine was run out because it was not their task to keep, ta to keep tabs on these things. It wasn't their job. Theirs was to celebrate the feast. And our Blessed Mother coming to their aid and so much she does the same for us. How many times has Our Lady looked upon us and turned to our Lord just as she did at Cana and said, they have no wine. They need your grace, Lord. They need your mercy. They need consolation, Jesus. They need fortitude. They need something. How many times has Our Lady turned to the Lord and interceded for us, and all the while we were totally unaware. How many tragedies have, we, tragedies, tragedies have we been saved from? How many small sins, how many faults, imperfections? How many things has our Blessed Mother preserved us from? We won't know in this life. And it will be one of the great glories of Our Lady in the next life to be able to understand these things and to know it and to, praise, to, to heap praises upon her and upon the Lord who has been so generous with us, who works abundant miracles for us all the time while we simply go about our daily lives. This helps me to understand why it is that the fruit of the mystery of the wedding feast at Cana on a deeper level truly is a devotion to our Blessed Mother. Not just simply because Our Lady said they need wine and our Lord responded and thus the, the action began, but because Our Lady is continuously doing that same exact thing for me and for each one of us. Sometimes I know it. More often than not, I don't. But it doesn't change the fact that she is my mother and yours. It doesn't change the fact that she is perpetually watching over us. It's not for no reason that, that Our Lady has so many titles that are about assisting us, right? 
Our Lady of Prom Succor, Our Lady of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, Our Lady Help of Christians, Our Lady Help of all kinds of things. She comes to our aid. She comes to help us. She is a mother, a true mother, more so than Eve herself was. Eve gave all of us biological life. She is our first mother. But Our Lady has given a spiritual life, eternal life, not because of herself, but because her yes has given us Christ. She is our spiritual mother, and she takes that title seriously. She is continuously watching over us, seeking to preserve that, e- that eternal life that is offered to us, to bring us close to the heart of her Son, to fill us with his grace, to wash us in his mercy. She is our mother, truly our mother. And for this reason is for us to turn to her with great love and devotion. And so as we offer this Holy Mass and reflect today upon this mystery of the wedding feast at Cana, we rejoice in the miracle that our Lord worked. We rejoice in the disciples who recognize this miracle and begin to follow him with greater fervor. But especially we rejoice in the gift of our mother once more. Our mother who is given to us, our mother who watches over us, our mother who hears our cries, but also is aware of even the things that we ourselves are unaware of yet. We give thanks to God for the ways in which she pours out his grace so abundantly generous upon us. And we pray that we might honor her fittingly all the days of our life.